0: Our Bible reading today is in 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. To the elders and the flock, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in glory, in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ.
1: Thanks, Rosalia. Let's pray as we come to God's word together. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, for your help now by your spirit. Give us understanding. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Be at work among us to build us up and strengthen us, that we might be those who stand firm in the Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, way back, right at the beginning of our our sermons, this sermon series in the book of 1 Peter, I mentioned Peter's big longing uh, for his original readers and and for us. Um, He wanted them to stand fast in the grace of God. We saw that again just at at the end of our passage there today, stand fast in the true grace of God. He wanted them to stand firm in their faith despite all of the trials of life and faith that would come their way. And I used, uh, in the early days of this series, I used the illustration of a fisherman in the river. I wonder if we can get the picture of that up there. We have a a fisherman in the river, up to his knees in water, uh, casting his, his rod, water going this way against him, but the fisherman standing firm, feet firmly planted on the riverbed, unmoved. That is Peter's longing throughout this letter, that we would stand firm in the Lord Jesus. And as Peter concludes, he gives us final teaching to help us to be able to do this. And I think this morning we have here three, if you like, three essential beliefs to help us to stand firm in the faith. And we're really just going to focus on verses 6 to 11. What are these essential beliefs For standing firm. Well, firstly, we've got something to do with God and who God is. Uh, Peter Peter highlights for us two aspects of God's character for us. So if you've got a Bible open, have a look down at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. God's mighty hand. God's mighty hand here symbolizes not just God's power, but his power to save. God's mighty hand is a a phrase that comes up again and again in the Exodus story, the story of when God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. So Exodus 13 The Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Deuteronomy 5. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand. You see, God's mighty hand symbolizes not just his power, but his power to save, his power to bring his people out of slavery and then into the promised land, their inheritance. And what we see here is that God's mighty hand is working for us too, even through all of the various trials of life and faith. God's purpose in those trials is to save us, to redeem us out of sin, and to bring us safely to, that, to, to, our, to our promised land, our future inheritance. So God's mighty hand, his power over our circumstances... It's not working against us to harm us, but for us, to save us. And so Peter says, that humble yourselves under it. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. As you face the trials of life and faith, don't rail against God. Don't rage against your opponent. But accept those trials as coming ultimately from God's mighty hand given us to bring us and help us to get to our future inheritance. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that trials don't hurt. They do. That doesn't mean that we don't plead with the Lord to take them away. Of course we do. But in the middle of them, God calls us also to humble ourselves under his mighty hand, recognizing God's good purpose in them to bring us home. And then Peter highlights for us God's care for us, not just his saving power, but his care for us. Verse 7 Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God's saving power and his care for us. I wonder if you've ever tried to, to carry more than you can really cope with. I remember, um, or I can imagine, it's a type of thing I would have done often. You know, walk to the shop to buy a bottle of milk or something small. You're at the shop then you start to see all of the other things that you need. And you pick out this and that. And before you know it, you've got four or five heavy bags of shopping. And as you try and walk home again, your back aches and your fingers hurt because the plastic bag is digging into them and you struggle on. But then imagine a friend happens to drive past, and they see you struggling with your bags, and they stop and they say, listen, put those bags in the boot, I'll give you a lift. What a relief, A, to have a friend who cares, and B, that that friend has a car that is able to carry all of your stuff. Well, it's a bit of a trivial illustration But anxiety, well, it's like carrying a huge, huge load. It's exhausting, it weighs us down, it sucks our joy and is relentless. All of the what if this, what if that. And Peter reminds us here that in in our anxiety, God cares for us, that He's that friend who sees us struggling our friend who cares enough to stop and who's strong enough to take that burden off us and carry them for us. And so God here invites us to do that. All of those what ifs, all of those uncertainties as we think about the future that weigh us down, God says, I know the future. I'm in charge of the future. I have a good and perfect plan for it all. I don't like seeing you so exhausted and worn down. Listen, I will, I will carry those burdens for you if you'll let me. So that's the first, I guess, essential belief that we've just got to have if we're going to stand firm in the faith. We've got to believe in God, that he's a, a God who is powerful to save, His, who has a mighty hand, and a God who cares for us deeply. We need, that, we need to believe that about God if we're going to keep going. That second essential belief we need to believe to keep going in the faith is about the devil. And we're on to our next point here, looking here at verses 8 and 9. Peter goes on, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I don't know about you, but the closest I've ever been to a lion has actually been at Belfast Zoo. Um, They're not hungry there, they're well-fed. Um, and they're behind you know, fences, so they're not, a, they're not a threat. But even still, when you get near the, this, these lions, you can see that they're terrifying. And when they roar, the whole place stops and listens. Ferocious beasts. And that is what Peter says about our enemy, the devil. A roaring, prowling lion on the hunt for prey what does that mean that he's on the hunt what does that look like well i think in the context of one peter this is the devil orchestrating opposition so all of the there's been so much of in peter's letter about insults and slander and being maligned and what we see here is that the devil is behind all of that orchestrating it using those insults to try and shunt believers off the difficult road to glory, to lure them onto the uh, easy road to destruction. That's what he's doing behind orchestrating all of that, that opposition. Now, of course, on the one hand, we don't need to panic. And that's really important to say. We don't need to panic because this roaring lion is not on the loose, he's on a leash. It's not that uh, God and the devil have equal power and they're battling it out and who's going to win and we don't know and it could go either way. No, it's God's in charge. The devil can only do what God allows him to do. And this lion has been... uh, Has not yet been destroyed, but he has been defeated by Christ on the cross. So we don't need to panic. You know, if you're in uh, one of those uh, drive through safaris and you're in your car, you see a hungry lion, you know, your heart may pound, but you don't need to panic. It won't be able to get you. So we don't need to panic. But what does Peter tell us here at the same time? We do need to be alert and a sober mind that we might resist him. In other words, we're not to do what one family did at one of these drive-through safaris, which was, despite all of the warnings, to get out of their car and start taking pictures of the scenery and the animals. Um, I watched a video of it, it's absolutely terrifying oblivious to lions sprinting towards them. They made it into their car, but really they were that close from being mauled to death. Peter says, be alert and of sober mind so that you may resist your enemy, the devil. Realize the significance of the opposition to your faith that you're facing. He's trying to shunt you Off the difficult road to glory. He's trying to make you give up your faith. Realize the significance of the temptations that you face. He's trying to lure you back onto the easy road to destruction. Okay, we're not to panic, but we are to be alert of sober mind that we may resist him. And I guess part of our resistance, or excuse me, part of, part of our defense is to remember that we're not alone in this battle. Um, Peter gives some encouragement in verse 9. Resist the devil, standing firm in the faith. Why? Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's not just you uh, and the devil. It's a whole family of believers across the world. It's believers in China and Saudi Arabia and Eritrea and Sudan and everywhere seeking to live for Christ, seeking to resist his schemes, seeking to keep going down the difficult road to glory. We're not alone, and that should be an encouragement to us as we seek to resist him. So another essential belief for standing firm, if we don't believe in the reality of the devil, we're going to be blindsided by his attacks. We won't be ready for them. Then, third essential belief we need to keep going in the faith is about the future. Looking here at verses 10 and 11. And the God of all grace... He called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. In other words, in other words Peter reminds us here of, of where we're heading, that we're heading towards eternal glory in Christ. Uh, he's reminding us of God's promise that he one day vindicate us and restore us completely so that we will be firm and secure forever. In other words he's he's speaking of the day when God will give us our inheritance the new promised land that will never perish spoil or fade. The day when our enemy the devil will be destroyed once and for all. When all of the wrongs that we've faced will be made right. When all wounds will be healed. Losses compensated, insults silenced, sufferings stopped, anxieties vaporized. But our shame will be turned to honor and we will be secure forever with Christ. Eternal glory in Christ. But I wonder if you've ever wondered why does why does god tell us about where we're heading why does he tell us this stuff why doesn't he just keep all of this a surprise wouldn't it heighten our joy you know to uh, to go into death expecting nothing and then to receive everything wouldn't that be better why does he tell us about where we're heading well it is of course to help us to endure the trials that we now face, to help us to keep going now. Because if we can see our trials in the context of eternal glory, then we'll, we'll find strength to endure them. Because, of course, in the light of eternity, the trials that we face now, they may well be very, very intense, but they're also relatively very short You know, as Peter puts it here, glory will come after you have suffered a little while. I love that little phrase, a little while. Because, of course, the road to glory is relatively short. Uh, Journey time uh, doesn't seem to get more than, you know, a hundred years, rarely more than a hundred years. Now, that might seem a long time. But in the context of eternity, looking back from eternity, a hundred years, it's just a drop in the ocean. I love that line in the hymn, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. Maybe even 10,000 years in, we. We'll try and remember. Um, we'll ask a friend, listen, can you help me out? I'm, I'm trying to remember something from, I don't know when it was, 2020 something or other, 2023, and I'm trying to remember some trial that we were facing together, but I, it's, my memory's vague, and the word hospital comes to mind, and difficulty, but other than that, I can't really remember. Do you remember? And our friend says, hospital. Remind me again what a hospital was. You see, in the light of eternity, our earthly trials, Peter says, are but a little while. And we need to know that if we're going to keep going. So three essential beliefs to help us to stand firm in the faith, that by God but the devil, and about the future. Well, two quick thoughts as we come to a close. Um, firstly, I guess if you're not yet a believer, um, this is something of what's on offer in the Christian gospel. To know God's mighty hand working out all things for our ultimate good. To know God's fatherly care and love, that he would take the burden of our anxiety from us to be alert to the devil's schemes that we might not be taken in by them, and to be heading for the mo- this most amazing future. There's more too. I wonder as you weigh up the Christian faith, and I ask this humbly, what's, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from turning from your sin, turning to Christ, so that this would be true of you? And then just for those of us who are trusting in Christ, I guess the call here is to reflect on these realities, to keep these realities at the very forefront of our mind, to pray them in every single day, because they're going to help us to stand firm in the grace of God. Let's pray. This is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Heavenly Father, we pray please, would you open up the eyes of our hearts that we might believe in you, that we might recognize that your hand is mighty, that we might recognize that you are a loving, heavenly Father who wants to help us give us eyes to see the reality of the and the personality of the devil that we might not be caught unaware help us to be alert and of sober mind that we might resist him his temptations his opposition and help us give us eyes to see the reality of our wonderful future in Christ heavenly father we cannot see it but help us to believe your word. Help us to believe the reality of it, to be encouraged by it, to keep standing fast, standing firm in in your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.